0: Welcome to the LEAP podcast. This is Tammy Tran and Tammy Bowie, your hosts for the LEAP podcast. LEAP stands for Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics.
1: Today, we continue our LEAP podcast series on women in power. This episode is focused on courage as it shows up in leadership. Our guest will share her personal leadership story that spans across the country from Tennessee to Dallas, Texas, and most recently here in Southern California.
0: Leeji, thank you for the conversation today for sharing openly. While most of us are finding the world situation uncomfortable right now, it is good advice to lean in into the uncomfortable and find growth opportunities.
1: Well, Lege, welcome. Welcome to Leap's podcast. We're so happy to have you. This is the Tammy and Tammy conversation with the wonderful Lege. Um, Lee G, why don't you maybe if if you're okay with it, would you like to introduce yourself because I have stories that we can share about. You. So, go ahead, Lege.
2: Yes. Hi, Tammy. My name is Lee G. Thomas. Uh, I am currently Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for a company in the uh, clean beauty and free uh, cosmetic space called Beauty Counter. It is wonderful to be here having a conversation with two Tammys that I am very fond of. Uh, Tammy Tran and I uh, knew each other and worked closely. You tend to have a circle of, of people that are also passionate and committed to the same things you are. So Tammy Tran um, introduced me to you, Tammy. And so I had the good fortune of the circle just expanding. So I'm just thrilled to be here and really looking forward to uh, having this conversation with both of you.
0: In fact, if it were not for the LEAP programming and their anniversary celebration two years ago in Little Tokyo before the pandemic, we would not have connected. And maybe you can, this is also where you can infuse if you'd like the conversation about courageous
1: leadership and what, so if there's a difference you feel between leadership and just being a leader and manager versus really being a courageous leader. So my own,
2: um, definition of leadership is, um, is, is quite simple. Um, is, and it's, it's leaving people in places better than we found them. And, um, an absolute prerequisite for that is courage. Um, the courage to deeply engage with people, the courage to challenge status quo, but to do it in a way that meets people and institutions where they're at and brings them along. Um, you know, I think the higher up you go, um, the more uh, is your responsibility to serve the people that you lead. Um, I, you know, I, I people have to know that um, that we care about people, not only about uh, the people on our teams for getting the job done, but that we see and value who they are uniquely. I've seen the power of uh, teams when uh, when there's an enormous amount of trust. And that trust is, it's when we trust people's, not only their competence, but their character. And trust is the currency of high performing teams and institutions. And unfortunately, it's, it's one of the casualties of everything I think that has happened and in certainly in the last year since COVID is people are looking um, to, you know, where, who are the leaders I can trust, where are the workplaces and institutions that I, uh, that I trust, have an environment where I can bring my whole self to work, where I can do my best work, uh, and where I can really build a fulfilling life and career. Um, so I think it's all about leadership and, uh, and the authenticity, the vulnerability, but also the courage to show up, um, exactly how we are, but to always be on the journey of, um, Uh, discovering our own blind spots how can we better serve um you know anyone that knows me knows i'm a big fan of the mantra that comfort and growth do not coexist and so always being uh, pushing ourselves and raising that bar for ourselves um in our desire to uh to always ask, how can I better serve the people that I lead? Um, so, hope that answers your question, Tammy, but I, I think it's all about leadership.
0: AG, I just have to say, I love your mantra. I've heard your former diversity and inclusion team member still referencing it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, but yeah, you know, that mantra
2: is all about, you know, if we're comfortable growth only happens outside our comfort zones. And if you're comfortable, you're not growing. And so I think that applies to us as people, to us as leaders. I think that applies to companies and institutions, certainly in the diversity, equity, and inclusion realm. So I always, I, I try to uh, challenge myself and and as well as the people I lead. I, I think often the barriers that we put, uh, a lot of the barriers, are self-imposed. And so if we can break through those barriers and challenge ourselves, there are no limits to what people can do and, and talent can do. Uh, uh, but, it, but it happens outside of our comfort zone.
1: Lichi, I'd love to know even before we get to this, this journey that you're talking about, can you share maybe how you grew up? How, what were some of those moments where you took, um, you felt uncomfortable and where, 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 do you have some of those pivotal, pivotal moments where you feel like this is where I felt that stretch, where I felt that um, discomfort and this is what I gained from it. And you can start from when you were growing up. I'd I'd love to hear that. Or when you were getting into your career Wherever you'd like to start. Oh, gosh, there are so many uh, uncomfortable,
2: <laughs> have, have been so many uncomfortable moments along the way, Tammy, as I know, have been uh, for you and, and Tammy Tran, because you are definitely um, fellow sisters in the cause that that uh, I, I see and, and respect as, as leaders as well. Uh, gosh, everything from, you know, I remember uh, in college, uh, you know, I initially set up to, uh, you know, I'm I'm the daughter of Indian immigrants, This country. And, you know, so there was a a kind of prescribed mold for success, you know, whether it's, I was initially set to go to law school. And then I worked for a litigation firm in DC and, and decided that, um, well, it was a great experience, uh, that, that I did not uh, envision myself uh, being a lawyer and, and really had to craft a whole life and career outside of what I initially thought success looked like and, and success uh, defining success my way um, in college I, I uh, you know did did things that that really opened my eyes and you know I, I actually in college lived in um, a halfway house uh, with uh, about you uh, uh, Twelve ex nonviolent ex convicts. As you can imagine, that didn't uh, give my my parents any comfort, uh, <laughs> but it also challenged my notions of 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 people and barriers and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it you know it was um, it was an amazing experience. It right, I sat up. Uh, I I had all these preconceived notions about what ex-convicts thought about, for example, the um, death penalty and, and, um, and, you know, uh, really um, one of the first formative experiences of uh, really stepping outside comfort zone, building connection with people that were different from myself, Uh, you know, so, These are all nonviolent ex-offenders. So Dismas House is the name of, so I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Um, And so Dismas House is a halfway house to try to uh, uh, create a living learning community among college students and uh, nonviolent ex-convicts. And uh, studies have shown that these models, there's now several across the country, these models help reduce the recidivism rate or the rate at which ex-convicts go back to prison. Um, and, you know, we would discuss things like the death penalty till one o'clock in the morning, here I was, um, you know, having the privilege of being a college student at a private university in in Nashville, Tennessee, with, um, you know, people that wanted the same things out of life as I did, just had grown up on, you know, a whole different life circumstance. And so, you know, there were things like that, you know, not you know, not going to law school. Um, you know, I was at Southwest Airlines when I was shoulder tapped to help build diversity and inclusion for the company, completely different career, uh, shift for me. I had spent, you know, 15 plus years in audit compliance, risk management, um, I'm a CPA. And, and so that, that's kind of the, how I envisioned my life and then to, to go into diversity inclusion work was yet another uncomfortable career shift, but, um, you know, ended up, uh, really where I, sometimes in life you find your calling, sometimes your calling finds you. And I, I discovered a whole other, um, uh, chapter and purpose in life. And this is, but, you know, it, it all came, all of those things. And, and there's been a million uncomfortable situations, all of those things further convicted. And and I believe there's some great work that all of us are supposed to do. There's something that only you can do. Uh, I mean, even this podcast bringing together, um, you know, your friend, the way we all met. um, you know, there's, I, I, I believe that there is no such thing as coincidence in life. Um, but if you stay, if you play small and you stay safe, you'll never realize the full measure of what you were supposed, what you were put on this planet to do. And that often means being uncomfortable.
1: Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So Liji, how do you know when you've done enough? What questions do you ask yourself when you think about taking that next leap? Um, And when I think about
2: leadership or visionaries or people who really change the world, they are people who are constructively discontent with status quo and always looking at how do I bring people together? How do I break down any artificial barriers to um, uh, uh, inclusion, and how do I create an environment where people can come together? You know, because the real currency of the future is in ideas, and it's in connections, and it's in things like what you ladies are doing—podcasts and and gatherings of people who can really re envision new solutions to old problems. So, uh, yes, kudos to organizations like Leap and and so many other people and and institutions that are. Because if the last year has, uh, laid bare any truth, it is that there is no, we will not go back to, in some ways, thankfully, because the old normal, uh, didn't really work for a lot of people that we've really got, uh, we have to write a new chapter in the way, um. Uh, the way we come together, the way business is run, the way institutions come together, and it is now a non-negotiable um, uh, that that non-negotiable that you have an environment that uh, uh, that really creates connection, breaks down barriers, and, and the people and institutions that are poised to lead are the ones that can effectively create. Um, truly inclusive and uh and environments of trust that are truly inclusive and unleash uh full human potential and so Tammy I you know again I I, I think we are all aligned in terms of not only the the uh the value of organizations uh like leap But that uh, visionary leadership that is so necessary to write this next chapter of society and corporate America uh, is there's never been a time when it's more sorely needed.
0: Liji I think I mean I I love what you say about how um, you know there are all these uncomfortable moments in our lives but you know what's the opposite of uncomfortable it's being brave right it's it's basically you know pushing yourself forward and I think that's how to your point Liji earlier it's how we met right I mean we don't work on the same teams we don't work in the same areas but for for whatever reason we were able to kind of move beyond that uncomfortableness and have conversations and find that that link to each other and in fact I think Tammy um, I think perhaps you met Lee G, um, at a Leap event or at least you know had an interaction with uh, with Leap during one of Leap's um, anniversary celebrations about two years ago before the pandemic and I remember that was just a great gathering of, of people um, that that work in different spaces and and if it wasn't for an organization like Leap we There's may not a have lot been of connected change. and certainly in the last five years um, I did relocate
2: from Dallas Texas to Southern California about uh, two and a half, three years ago for the opportunity to, to head up diversity inclusion at, at Southern California Edison. Um, you know, th- there's a couple of things that I look for anytime I consider uh, opportunities. Um, number one, uh, is this a good use of my time and talents? Two, is this somewhere where I can make um, change? and, uh, and impact people and places and leave them better than I found them. And then, you know, uh, three, is this the right decision for me and my family? And, um, you know, if, if you if your desire to serve and to make impact, uh, is, is, it feels like, calling and, and, and you're always kind of looking for that. Um, what, what I have found is those opportunities, uh, open up and, um, and, you know, it, opportunities are tied to people continuing to build, uh, the community of people, whether it's mentors or sponsors or friends or colleagues, uh, is absolutely critical. Um, and, you know, I, I found the, you know, Early in our lives, you know, it becomes about success. At at some point in your life or career, it becomes about significance. Where can I have the most impact on the most number of people? And, you know, how long have we been talking about diversity inclusion in corporate America? The truth is that very little has changed. And so, uh, you know, there's... So while I loved my time at Edison, I hope collectively we were able to make transformational change, you know, uh, in, in, I was there for two and a half years and, you know, it certainly, um, it, it was a, it was a bittersweet decision to leave, um, I left uh, not really running away from something, running to yet another opportunity where we can, uh, where I had the ability to work with others at the company to, to transform um, a culture. And so, um, so, you know, I, I, and and that's a part of being uncomfortable, Tammy. It would have been much more comfortable. I had just been promoted at Edison. It would have been much more comfortable. To, I had an amazing team. They are rock stars in their own right, Tammy. You, Tammy Tran. You know my team at Edison. Um, I had great colleagues like you at Edison. It would have been so comfortable to stay, uh, but the right decision was to leave so that you could create. Um, impact somewhere else. And what I have learned is whether it's Southwest Airlines or Southern California Edison, if you have deeply invested in people and relationships, you don't leave those or, or abandon those when you leave a shared place of employment. And so I feel incredibly blessed to continue to have uh, the camaraderie and partnership of um, certainly both of you, but also a whole host of people uh that are deeply committed to creating a more just and inclusive world. So I take those relationships with me and I continue to challenge both myself as well as the teams I lead to create transformational change. Hi, this is Linda
3: Kutagawa, President and CEO of Leap. I hope you're enjoying the inaugural season of the Leap podcast. I know I am. I want to take a moment to thank and acknowledge our LEAP Annual Contributors, Target, AT&T, Capital One, Lowe's, Masco Corporation, Royal Caribbean Group, Toyota, UPS, and USAA. It is with their support that we're able to do things like the LEAP Podcast and to be able to provide our high-touch, high-impact leadership programs for Asian and Pacific Islanders, and enabling us to uncap talent that we know we have in our communities, and moving us closer to our vision of diverse leaders shaping communities for the benefit of all. Thank you, Leap Annual Contributors, and thank you to you,
0: our listeners. I have a question for you, because I I, um, I met you just a couple years ago, and based on what you share with us, um, you've been you've done really well in corporate America, and it hasn't been. Um, at one company, right? You start, you were at Southwest Airlines. You came out here to from Houston to California at Southern California Edison and made a huge difference here. And now you're at another company. Um, And I think that's just in maybe five, you know, less than five years. And so can you share a little bit with us about how you were able to kind of make those changes so quickly? um, And were there times when you kind of second guess yourself or question like, you know, how do I get here? do I need to pinch myself um I would really I think we would really love to hear about that because that's that's a lot of change and um and and it's all also um, a trajectory of success right you've you've adding on to your career and I I think it's just fascinating watching you Lee if you can just talk a little bit about that that'd be great
2: I, I would say Tammy that um it, it, our, the journey is never really done. And I would say that the only time you fail is when you think the journey's done. So, in each of, certainly at Southwest Airlines or Southern California Edison, the journey continues. But it, it is continuing with, uh, you know, I always been asked, what's the best use of me at this time or at this moment? And so, if, if you've been able to sow some seeds or, you know, or, or, or be a part of a group of people that have made some uh, headway or in transformational change for a company. For example, at Edison, you know, um, we, uh, you know, and I, I'm always intentional to say we because it, you don't ever, no one does anything great or transformational uh, alone. You've got to have a great team. You've got to have partnership. You've got to be able to break down silos. So, um, you know, when I say we, it's very intentional. I mean, Tammy Tran was such a great colleague to me at Edison. There were, I mean, you know, she was in uh, government affairs. I was in diversity inclusion. uh, Yet we had a shared Commitment, as do so many other people who are still at Edison that are continuing the journey there. Um, you know, part of that being uncomfortable is always being constructively discontent. What more can we do? When we were at, when I was at Edison, we collectively led the largest data disclosure around our workforce uh, on August twenty fifth of um, twenty twenty.
1: Um, And, you know, looked at everything. That's awesome, Liji. I'll I'll chime in here and first say, I am so grateful that you have this outlook of not just success as a a success as significance. Um, I heard you say that you're you're looking at it as how you make an impact. And I'm curious, uh, when you've gone through your journey, how... How do you know when you've done enough? How do you feel like you've reached that point? And is it is it when you start feeling uncomfortable in the sense that you wonder, um, you know, could I be doing more? What questions do you ask yourself when you reflect and you and then you then you feel comfortable enough to then take that leap. Um, maybe I'm asking multiple questions in one, but I feel like when you're uncomfortable, you don't, it's hard to then feel like you have, where do you land to? So is it just this constant state of, um, knowing that that's the case? And so then what do you do about that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, what I would say to my younger self is don't be afraid of taking, uh, Thought, well thought out and well calculated risks. Be more afraid of um, status quo and being stagnant and never actually challenging yourself and reaching the full measure of who you could have been. The, the worst regret in life is to look back and think, what if? Um, I knew as wonderful as Edison was and as much as I loved working with people like you, Tammy, and my amazing team there and the great leaders that I had, I knew if I didn't take this leap of faith, um, you know, this this role I have now, I'm a direct report to the founder and CEO of Beauty Counter. Um, and, and I get to, it's a broad role where, Uh, I get to look at mitigating bias in our talent management systems, but I also uh, weigh in on increasing revenue in multicultural markets, diversifying uh, every part of our company. I knew if I didn't take that leap of faith, that I would always look back and think, what if, what if I could have grown Myself created um, more impact, uh, uh, forged more relationships. And, you know, I, I think all of us, as many competing things as we have, you know, our families, our children, our careers, the, the one thing you always think about is how do I live a life with as few regrets as possible? And in career, it, it's it, I find the regrets we have are most often tied to the leaps of faith we didn't take rather than the leaps of faith that we did. And what's the worst that can happen is you take a leap of faith and it ends up not being what you thought it would be or it, it's okay. There are other, you've got to think at some point in your life or your career, you have a community of people or um you know the, the other side of it is you know I, in my past in my career i have i have been laid off uh there have been times that i have gotten less than per, uh, performance evaluations that I didn't think were fair or that didn't, you look at everything that you have gone through and all of the things that, uh, we certainly as South Asian women have overcome. Um, and you think, you know what, I have, uh, everything in me to take continue taking those leaps of faith. And if you can envision the worst case scenario, Worst case scenario, this goes south or the sense of not being the right decision. Um, What every what, you know, 40 plus years of living has taught me is that uh, that even if things go south, I've got a great community of mentors, friends, uh, colleagues that you're going to be okay. And so go for it. Go for those leaps of faith, challenge yourself, step outside the comfort zone. And my experience has been the things you will regret are the times you haven't. Just, you know, there's, there's some fundamental, don't burn bridges, continue to value your relationships. People invested in me all along the way. People saw things that I didn't quite see in myself at the time. And I'm trying to pass that forward now. And I'm trying to not only challenge myself, but when I see people on my team or, you know, certainly as the daughter of Indian immigrants, I grew up um, being told be the quiet girl in the back of the classroom that works really hard and then serves her work up to someone else to help other people become successful. You get into corporate America, that's a recipe for disaster. You have got to be able to challenge yourself, but to also be able to tell the story of how, and I think that comes from knowing yourself. The deepest journey, the longest journey any of us will ever take is the journey inward. What are your strengths? What do you do? Uh, better than 95% of people? And then how do you use those unique gifts to best serve other people in the world? And if you can figure that out, opportunities will always come to you. It may not be the right opportunities or the exactly what you want, but doors will continue to open for you if you are aligned with your unique gifts and your desire to deeply serve in this world. And I believe that in my heart of hearts, Uh, there's there's a quote, follow your bliss and doors will open where there were previously only walls. That has served me well and I I, I feel a deep sense of gratitude, but also a deep sense of responsibility, certainly in doing diversity, equity, inclusion work to continue to hold myself to a a high bar. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that I'm always going to continue challenging myself and continue building relationships and, and trying to create transformational change in the institutions where I serve.